Well, welcome back to the Lamp Post Listener. My name is Daniel. I'm Phil. And this is a podcast where we journey chapter by chapter through C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. This is chapter 10 of Prince Caspian, The Return of the Lion. These the sequel to the Empire titles, Strikes Back. Right. <laughs> They're getting less and less opaque. Well, more before, and more opaque? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> well, before we get off topic here, we have a special guest with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Casey, and I'm a friend. <laughs> Hi, Casey. <laughs> and you have a great relationship with these books, which I can't wait to get into in just a little bit once we get through this chapter. But before we even start, I do want to ask you, do you like this book? I do. This is one of my favorites. That's really nice. exciting. We have found somebody <laughs> who really enjoys this book. A lot of people have been a little lukewarm on it. Even Phil and I at different points have been a little, well, mostly me, I guess, not yeah, you. I was going to say, I think it's mostly you. But I have been a little lukewarm, <laughs> nice but we have, have someone ally. here. Casey, who loves this book. Is it love? Is that too strong of a word? That's okay. That's an okay word. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, in our last episode, Lucy noticed something strange as the Pevensies were continuing their journey to Prince Caspian. Phil, do you have a chapter summary for this chapter? I do. Want to go ahead and read it? Let's do it. The children in Trumpkin continue their journey toward Aslan's Howe in hopes of meeting Caspian but experience several delays, including a forest that is too thick to navigate quickly, and very steep cliffs that are impossible to climb. A brief period of easy hiking at the site of the Battle of Baruna is interrupted by hostile arrows whizzing overhead. Blocked from going any further in that direction, they head back the way they came, and after a meal of apples and bear meat, the group falls asleep. Lucy is woken up by Aslan, and learns that she either needs to wake the others and convince them to join her with Aslan, or follow the lion alone. Peter and Lucy refuse to be roused or to be convinced that she really saw Aslan, but Edmund chooses to believe her and suggests they try to wake the others. Very nice. That was a good one. So, Casey, what are your initial thoughts on this chapter? Um, this chapter, I think, is a pretty big turning point for the book, in my opinion. Okay. Um, because Lucy, as you guys talked about in the other chapters, has been telling them things and telling them things that she's seeing and they're not believing her and they're not believing her. And I think at the end there, we don't know what's happening in the next chapter, but at the end there, it seems like there's hope that someone might believe what she says. And as the reader, I am on Lucy's side of not wanting to be under, or not being understood by other people and not mm. having people believe her. And I think that makes me frustrated, but it's a good element to the book. I think. Yeah, for sure. I am. Um Right there at the end, we'll talk about this later, but that's a that is a huge turning point, especially for Edmund's character. Yeah, I love that was my favorite part of last chapter was was Edmund's redemption of here he was in the line of witch in the wardrobe, he betrays his siblings, and he is, you know, quote unquote I guess he's redeemed with Aslan's sacrifice, but we really don't get to see the new Edmund until really just last chapter. We've seen a little bit of him, but we've now seen he goes, no, I, I believe Lucy. She was the one that was right last time. Mm. I think the thing that stuck out to the most to me was all of the imagery re regarding the trees and the woodland descriptions. I mean, that was a huge part of this text. We've talked a lot about that. That's more evidence to Casey's point about the turning point. The trees are back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this. I think this is a pivot for the book. It's literally called The Return of the Lion. And I don't know if we've mentioned this on the show, but when this book was first published, again, it wasn't in, it's not like Lewis had seven books yet. It was just the second book here. It was published as Prince Caspian, The Return to Narnia. So it almost has like, the subtitle of the book is right here in the chapter as well, a little bit with The Return of the Lion. And, and originally I, it was going to be the revenge of the lion, but then they realized <laughs> that a lion wouldn't have revenge. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't. I think maybe five percent of our listeners are going to pick up on that. So <laughs> if you do, thanks. leave us a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for excluding all of them. Um, I also I think it's really wonderful to have Aslan back here. You know, we we saw him last chapter. Well, Lucy saw him, but we haven't had Aslan hasn't talked at all in this book yet. Correct. That's right. And it's, it's, he has so many great lines here, and I can't wait to read some of them. So I think we should go ahead and start at the very beginning of the chapter because I have a really great passage to read. This is what C.S. Lewis writes. To keep along the edge of the gorge was not so easy as it had looked. Before they had gone many yards, they were confronted with young fir woods growing on the very edge, and after they had tried to go through these, stooping and pushing for about ten minutes, they realized that, in there... It would take them an hour to do half a mile. 
So they came back and out again and decided to go round the fir wood. This took them much farther to the right than they wanted to go, far out of the side of the cliffs and out of the side of the river. So they began to be afraid that they had lost it altogether. Nobody knew the time, but it was getting to the hottest part of the day. When they were able at last to go back to the edge of the gorge, nearly a mile below the point from which they had started, they found the cliffs on their side of it a good deal lower and more broken. Soon they found a way down into the gorge and continued the journey at the river's edge. But first they had a rest and a long drink. No one was talking anymore about breakfast or even dinner with Caspian. Did this stick out to y'all when you were first reading it? Because this, this, these two paragraphs here really, really jumped off the page to me. Why is that? I think the biggest thing, you know, we've talked a lot about trees in this, in Prince Caspian. Casey, are you at all familiar with Michael Ward's Narnia Code? No, no, okay. I'm not. That's totally fine. <laughs> Listeners have heard us talk about it a lot of times, so I'll just do a quick recap. Michael Ward is a Lewis scholar who has this idea, this theory, that each of the seven books in the Chronicles of Narnia are related to one of the seven medieval heavens of what you know, they, they considered to be the, the heavenly bodies at the time. And Prince Caspian is directly related to Mars. So obviously most of us would know that Mars is the god of war. And there's a lot of kind of martial language in here, a lot of talk of warfare. One thing that neither Phil nor I knew before this is that Mars is also related to woods. He has this name of Mars Sylvanus, which is related to trees and woods and forests. And we've seen a lot. I've never would have picked up on this before, but I was reading the Narnia Code. I've looked into some of his other stuff. And I, there's, I've never noticed how much talk there is of trees. And what's really interesting to me here in this first paragraph is what is it that gets in their way and causes them... So they're going the wrong way. Last chapter, they were supposed to follow Aslan. They don't, and they go down this way through the gorge. And what is it that's hindering their passage? Trees. Trees. Mm. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, the more and more I read this, C.S. Lewis didn't say anything about any kind of Narnia code. So all of this is, is still a theory, but I, I become more and more of a believer literally every chapter we go through this. <laughs> so as they continue along... Through the woods, they run into some sentries and scouts of Miraz. And Phil, what what did you say in your chapter summary? That I like the way you said that. They have hostile arrows flying overhead. <laughs> yeah, and this is a really interesting thing that happens because it's so quick. Just like a couple of chapters ago, when Caspian was fighting Miraz's army, and we don't really hear a lot about the battles. This I felt this was kind of a similar thing, where. The, the Pevensies and Trumpkin encounter them, and then within you know a paragraph or two, we've already escaped from that danger. Did y'all feel that? Mm -hmm. Why do you think that they're uh, that they run into this army? Because it's it's not for a big action scene or anything. It's obviously it's over and so quickly. It seems like they they keep trying different things and they keep getting redirected. Mm -hmm. Sounds like something else might be redirecting them, especially after what you said about how the trees might be um, doing more than we realize. Yeah. Or the fact that they're not awake is getting them in trouble. What do you mean not awake? So if the the trees aren't reacting to if the trees can move around. Oh, if the like trees that. aren't awake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if the trees aren't awake. Do you feel, Casey, like there's any kind of divine providence here with, with steering them in a new direction? I think so. I think this part actually um frustrated me a little bit because I wanted more of what I wanted it to be a big action scene. Yeah. And then I read it and I was like, well, who's shooting the arrows and who's like, I want them to like approach them and, you know, figure it out and get past them. But then it's also good that they got pushed back because we find out later. But um, I think this part frustrated me a little bit, but I also think I never thought about the trees before. And then when we get into Lucy and her experience mm -hmm. with the trees where the trees led her to something that was great. But this scene, the trees are also leading them back to where they're supposed to be. So I think that was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been in line with the whole Narnia Code and stuff. I have just been so surprised. I've read this book multiple times before, and I've never noticed how much talk of trees that there is. Like, I, I never noticed that at all. And so it's, it's interesting just to pick up on how much, even the illustrations, like even Pauline Bain's illustrations. A lot of trees in the chapter. Yeah, chapter there's title. a lot of the pictures have trees, and there's a different one. I know you only have the one picture, Phil. There's a different one where the Pevensies and Trumpkin are like literally lying on the ground and they're surrounded by trees everywhere. And mm -hmm. the trees really stick out 
in the illustration. I, it, it is not just a coincidence. It's here in this same scene that we get another one of Trumpkin's expressions. Casey, we've been keeping track of Trumpkin's <laughs> interesting expressions here. We have bottles and battle doors. It's kind of a, that's a middle one for me. We've been re- deciding how much we like them. I don't love them. I don't love that one as much. It's like a, a yeah. lower third. Okay. What's your favorite still? I can't remember. It was a few ch- chapters back. That's great podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back and find it. So they eventually, they do go back. They have this dinner that you mentioned, Phil, of the bear meat and apples. Let's talk about this for a while because I got hungry reading this. <laughs> you got hungry hearing about meat that's been carried in someone's pocket. For yeah, I did not get hungry. Really? No. It was slimy, dude. That's disgusting. Yeah. I do a lot of backpacking and that is not, that doesn't sound like a good meal to me. No. Also, and I can't that, eat apples. So it's like you're going <laughs> to soak meat in someone's pocket. Wrap it around an apple and then cook it. And the apples turned pie. into applesauce, which means it was yeah. also, like gushy and gooey. I'm not like a McCormick employee. or <laughs> I don't think that's how applesauce is made. I don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> See, I... I don't he, think you wrap it in bear meat <laughs> and then uh, heat it up. To defend C.S. Lewis here for a second, he says it is like applesauce with roast pork. Okay. He didn't say it mm. is applesauce because obviously they're also not eating pork here. I think that's mm. the part that jumped out to me. I was like, I don't know. I think like... I was the kind of kid who used to always put if, if applesauce was on my dinner plate, I would just put it all over everything. Oh man, you had your food touched each other. Oh yeah, uh, I know you're you're not a fan of that. Food. My food doesn't touch either. So, okay. I I'm all a fan of like everything I have for dinner. Just put it all into one bowl and just eat it all together. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of sufficient. Weird. <laughs> um, yeah. You like Chipotle? <laughs> exactly. Everything I eat is a Chipotle burrito just a bowl. Big bowl. <laughs> yep. Well, I I did like this kind of break between. I thought this scene where they sit down to eat dinner, as it, it did make me hungry, although it obviously didn't work for y'all. It also was a bridge between kind of the action and frustration of being traveling through the woods and also now encountering Miraz's sentries. And it bridges into what I think is really the most important part of this chapter, which is Lucy here in, in the woods where she comes across Aslan. Do we, but do we have any last thoughts before we go? Because I think this is where we want to spend most of our time. Any last thoughts on the first kind of third of the chapter? One thing that I thought about, Casey, with your point about being frustrated, I felt when reading stuff before that I'm a bit bored or frustrated or angry about something that happens or really upset with a character. Like I don't like a character who does something I disagree with. Now I'm seeing that that's being used intentionally. We're supposed to feel blocked. We can't mm-hmm. go this way. Now we're going this way. We've been in the woods a while. I remember thinking of that a lot. It kind of reminds me of the um, Lord of the Rings book, which is broken into three books, Daniel. It's I don't, not. It I don't is know one <laughs> book that is often split into I've three volumes. <laughs> yeah, Casey's heard me have I've this, heard the, this too. The rant, yes. <laughs> it's not a rant if it's true. <laughs> okay, all right. Sure, Listeners buddy. who are also fans of Tolkien's work, please send us emails convincing Phil that The Lord of the Rings is one book and not a trilogy. Now, I have all seven books. Is the Chronicles of Narnia one book? No, it is a series of seven books. So just because they put them all together in one volume means that they're still separate books. It's This is going to be the last episode of the podcast, Phil, if you keep this up. I want you to remember, I edit these episodes and I can make you say a lot of things that you didn't really say. That's wrong. Anyway, we feel blocked. We feel, oh, oh man, I'm so glad Casey's here. She's keeping the <laughs> Yeah, we feel blocked and we feel frustrated. And now I see that that is probably intentional. Where we still haven't met Caspian. We're now in chapter 10 and we haven't connected the two parties yet. This actually reminded me, Phil, I was editing chapter 7 the other day. And you, I asked you the question as they were, as we were going back to the Pevensey story. You know, how long do you think it'll be before Caspian and the Pevenseys get back together? And you said it'll, it would be your uh, you know, hypothesis was when we go back to them on the island, they'll be with Caspian at the end of that chapter. We are now three chapters Wrong. later, and it seems like they're not close still. Right. How, how do you feel as a first-time reader of the book? I feel frustrated. And again, I did have these stories read to me a long time ago. I just don't remember them. But, it's, not, but, it's not my very first time, so I have a sense of what happens. But you're still like, oh, I, I thought we'd be together. I definitely thought the parties would be merged at this point. And as of the end of chapter 10, they're not. Casey, I'll ask you the same question, too, because I know you've just read this book for the first time rather recently. Mm -hmm. We'll get into this more later. 
when you're reading this for the first time, are you waiting for these characters to go back together? Or are you like, this is such a way, an interesting way to tell a story. I'm, I'm fully on board. No, I think it started as like, oh, this is kind of suspenseful because they keep not connecting. Sure. But at this point, I think I'm with Phil where I'm like, I'm frustrated because every time they're over, like seeming like they're getting closer, they just get farther away. It feels mm. like, and that's frustrating for me, I think. Yeah. Maybe we could pull out Thomas Jefferson and cut a few things out. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. I still, I still maintain what I've, I think I've said for most of this book, which is I enjoy this structure of this book because it's one of seven books in a series. If, if Narnia was just like a trilogy and we just had Dawn Treader after this and this was a third of the Narnia content that existed, I'd be a little frustrated that we don't get, because I want, I want Caspian and the Pevensies to be together. That's he's, he's, the titular character of the book and he hasn't met our protagonist from the last book still. We don't even really see Aslan now until chapter 10 and I'm, I'm just kind of waiting for all this to come together but I do like this because I maybe not like I'm interested in this because it is so different. I think it's interesting and I, I might have said this already I wonder if you're reading these in chronological order so if you were to read Prince Caspian fourth, I wonder if it's a little bit more in enjoyable because you've gone from magician's nephew to wardrobe to horse and his boy and each three of those books are pretty different and so you don't come into prince caspian expecting a similar thing you go oh well all the books i've read have had a pretty different structure with different characters and so i'm just kind of along for the ride at this point whereas if you read prince caspian second you're like well this is not the same thing that the first book was i, I just wonder if that's when i actually read prince caspian third because I didn't talk to you before uh -huh. I started reading them. So I read The Nephew first, and then I read The Wardrobe, and then I read... So it was a different order, but... You're making many of our listeners cringe right now. I'm sorry. No, it's I okay. didn't know. <laughs> I was naive. <laughs> this is months ago. Yeah, yes. this was a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, Phil, as we move on, and Lucy travels into the woods as she wakes up, I think you had a passage you were going to read here. I do. Lucy came to call again. Neither her father's voice nor Peter's. She sat up, trembling with excitement, but not with fear. The moon was so bright that the whole forest landscape around her was almost as clear as day, though it looked wilder. Behind her was the firwood, away to her right the jagged cliff tops on the far side of the gorge. Straight ahead, open grass to where the glade of trees began about a bowshot away. Open grass to where a glade of trees began about a bowshot away. Lucy looked very hard at the trees of that glade. Why... I do believe they're moving, she said to herself. They're walking about. She got up, her heart beating wildly, and walked towards them. There was, a, there was certainly a noise in the glade, a noise such as trees make in high wind, though there was no wind tonight. Yet it was not exactly an ordinary tree noise either. Lucy felt there was a tune in it, but she could not catch the tune any more than she had been able to catch the words when the trees had so nearly talked to her the night before. But there was at least a lilt, she felt her own feet wanting to dance as she got nearer. And now there was no doubt that the trees were really moving, moving in and out through one another as if in a complicated country dance. And I suppose, thought Lucy, when trees dance, it must be very, very country dance indeed. She was almost among them now. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty important passage, I feel like. Before we dive into it, these moving trees are dryads, right? I'm not asking the right people, am I? No. <laughs> nope, nope. I think you should ask Daniel. He yeah. would know. I think, I mean, again, we're Narnia novices. I think we're to assume they're dryads, you know, the nature spirits that, that are, you know, inhabiting the forest or the trees. I think they're nymphs is, I think, what they, they are. It does. C.S. Lewis doesn't use that word. We The dryads do show up later in this book. Spoiler alert, Phil. Like, the, the word <laughs> itself does show up. I, I search it on my Kindle, and that's how I know. <laughs> I think this is the same thing here because these trees, there are spirits inside of these trees because they are literally moving. That's what Lucy sees. So I just, I just wanted to go ahead. And I, th I think that's what's happening here. We can go ahead and get the uh, hate mail if we need to later. <laughs> but I just I wanted to name that because I'm pretty sure that's what we're seeing here. The really, really interesting thing to me is, is the difference. If we juxtapose this encounter with the trees with last night's. Not last night's for us, but last night's for Lucy. Do <laughs> you both look at me really weird? What happened last night? <laughs> Why do you think the trees are acting this way when the last night 
Lucy was not able to get them to wake up. I think it takes a very long time for a tree to wake up. You think that's what's happening here? She got him started, and it takes me like 20 minutes to get out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) This is a tree. Do you have any thoughts, Casey? I don't... That's a hard one, because I thought the same thing. It's like, why didn't the trees just wake up the first time? I mean, I think Aslan is very unpredictable, it seems to me at least. And so I feel like he definitely had certain timing to what he wanted her to see and when he wanted her to see it. So I think that the trees not fully awakening last chapter was part of that kind of pulling her in. And then this is where she gets to see it all unfold. Mm. And I think that's just his timing, which a lot of the times, most of the times in these books, I'm like, why did he choose to do it that way? And I don't fully understand. But I think that's one of these things. Sounds like Christ. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't really get why that had to happen that way. But I mean, he literally has the, the quote later where he says, things never happen the same way twice. So I mean, we'll get into that. I, I mean, to me, it's it, it's clear to me that Aslan is the missing link from the night before, that now that Aslan is here, which we're just about to get to, that's why the trees can wake. In the last chapter, Lucy wonders if she just said maybe the wrong word or just one word too many and that they can't wake up. And I think her assumption there is actually wrong, that no matter what she does, she is unable to wake these trees they will only wait mm. for Aslan. And I think that's the difference now. I can see that. Mm-hmm. So Casey, after this exchange, you had a, a part of the text you were going to read. Mm-hmm. She went fearlessly in among them, dancing herself as she leaped this way and that to avoid being run into by these huge partners. But she was only half interested in them. She wanted to get beyond them to something else. It was from beyond them that the dear voice had called. She soon got through them, half wondering whether she had been using her arms to push branches aside or to take hands in a great chain with big dancers who stooped to reach her, for they were really a ring of trees round a central open place. She stepped out from among their shifting confusion of lovely lights and shadows. A circle of grass, smooth as a lawn, met her eyes with dark trees dancing all around it. And then, oh joy, for he was there, the huge lion, shining white in the moonlight with his huge black shadow underneath him. That's such a good entrance. It is. I also... I'm Very really, cinematic. I'm interested in the italicized word for he, for he was there. I think that's just for dramatic effect. Yeah, for emphasis. I think that's what it's for too, but I, I do, when I read that, it really stands out to me. I love that sentence. And then there's the colon, the huge lion shining white in the moonlight with this huge black shadow underneath him. I think the italics almost makes me want to whisper it. Whisper it. Like it's a little bit here, like this dramatic thing for he. Like it's like, yeah. it's like this really dramatic thing that's happening. <laughs> and I really like this. It's, again, this is not the way we would necessarily think that Aslan would return. But in keeping with Prince Caspian, it's subverting our expectations. And what is he surrounded by here? A circle of grass and lawn. It's and dark trees dancing all around him. In the moonlight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Real quick before we get too much further. I loved how C.S. Lewis talked about how they wade as we do in water. That, talking about the trees. Mm, I did yeah. love that imagery. I was When I think of Lewis writing this book, I imagine him getting up. And going, if I were a tree, how would I move? Uh-huh. And then realizing he had roots <laughs> and then waddling. Yeah. But does it tear the waiting. ground up? That's my question. I, no, I like, is the ground yeah. completely torn up when they're done dancing? Like, yeah, that's what I think of. Because if they're really waiting with their roots, then the roots are super deep. And it's just, sorry, that's where my brain that, goes. That's exactly what I thought, too. I don't know how they're going to do this. I can't remember the movie. I don't know if they show this. If they do in the Netflix series, is the ground gonna rumble and a lot of rocks well it might be like water like water gets mixed up and then it goes back to its regular Mm. state after the moving has stopped so if it's truly like water then the ground probably goes back that's a good point netflix should hire you yeah (laughs) that'd be a good idea (laughs) visual consultant (laughs) so as aslan greets lucy we get this very very important exchange and again i know it's important because 690 people highlighted it on kindle (laughs) out of how many you don't know i have no idea I'm assuming more than 690 people have read Prince Caspian on the on, on the Kindle. <laughs> so this is what Lucy says. As, well, this is what Aslan says. Welcome, child. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are, 
I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And I think this is one of those lines that really stands out. It's a pretty famous line in the book. It might be kind of the most famous. I mean, when I think of Prince Caspian, I always think of this line that's really important. So let's dive in, right? I mean, I see Aslan as, as some type of comparison, imagery, whatever you want to call it to God. So like, we're not, as I grow, like I'm never going to, I'm never going to be bigger than God or bigger than in this book, this like creature that represents so much to these kids and to Narnia. So I think that it is almost comforting because she can grow and continue to be bigger and mature. But the thing that the lion, which Lucy has a really special relationship with, Mm -hmm. um, is never going to be something that she outgrows, which is, I think is just really comforting to know. I'm all for things that continue to, you can learn a piece of it and make some progress, but then there's always more to learn. Um, programmings like that, illustrations like that, almost anything where it's, you're developing a skill, you're never going to fully master it. And I believe that her relationship with Aslan is similar to our relationship with the Lord, where we, he's not going to change. We're just going to understand more and more or get to experience him more and more. You know, what's really interesting about this and this idea that Lucy... Lucy sees Aslan as being bigger as the exact opposite is usually true, right? As we get older, things usually seem smaller. It was just spring break a couple of weeks ago and Anna and I went down to, we went down to Asheville, North Carolina. And while we were there, we visited the Biltmore estate. I don't know if you guys are familiar Mm -hmm. with it. It's this huge house that one of the Vanderbilts built. It's the largest (laughs) private home in all of the United States and I'd been there once in like maybe early high school, late middle school, so a while ago, and Anna had never been. So I was so excited to go. And I was like, oh, this house is so big. You're not going to believe it. And it still is really, really big. It's incredible. I had a wonderful time there, but it was definitely way smaller than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. And we we're walking through the house. And again, it's incredible. It was worth the time. I'm not trying to, you guys, if, if you're in Asheville, North Carolina, go see this place. I'm not at all downplaying it. But it did seem smaller than it did 15 years ago. Mm. And I was not disappointed, but as I was reading this chapter, I was like, that's just not usually how my relationship is with things. You know, if I were to go back and visit my childhood home, I'm sure the backyard would seem way smaller than it did back when I was playing Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and the, oh, and Narnia, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the, and the, we had woods behind our house. And I'm sure if, I, I thought these woods were the largest woods in the world. And I did go back once when I was in high school. And I remember I like... I guess I, I snuck in just to look behind these people's yard to look at, at the, the woods. And I was like, oh, I can literally see the house on the other side of the woods. It's not yeah, that it's far. Not but as a kid, this was the biggest expanse of woods I'd ever seen. It, it seemed like when I was, you know, six, seven years old. But here, as Lucy sees Aslan, he actually looks bigger. And it's because her comprehension of him, she's able, like you said, Phil and, and Casey, she's able to comprehend more of who he is. And if Aslan is our supposal, for what Jesus would be like if Narnia was real. Mm. That makes sense, right? We have a much better idea of, you know, as we as we get older, God's the sense of his power, his might, and his love for us. It's not that he gets smaller, that's we can understand more and more. Yeah. What's really interesting is, you know, I've often tried to find I try to share articles and books and other things that relate to this. I had a really hard time finding anyone's writing on this passage. There's some stuff from like blogs and stuff, but nothing that was actually published. And I just, I was kind of dumbfounded that no one had written. I mean, there's so much we can find of people writing articles about when Aslan, he's, uh, you know, he's, of course he isn't safe, but he's good mm-hmm. or other things from Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And I was just wondering if it's because this, this exchange here is in a book that maybe just isn't as well beloved as the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, or if it just, maybe it's just standing out to, to us more than it would be to most people. Obviously, I mean, people on the Kindle are highlighting it, so we know it's important <laughs> that I, I'm just confused. Like this should be, to me, should be one of the best known quotes from this series, but it seems like it isn't. Now's our chance. Yeah. <laughs> we can also hashtag and stuff. Can I say something about the Biltmore thing? No, we got to move on. No, please. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Go ahead. Um, so I grew, my grandma's from Asheville. So oh, okay. I grew up going to Biltmore quite a bit. And that's it. I've had the same experience. Yeah. But I will say that when you go back at a different season than you've gone to before, oh. the house seems different. So if you go at Christmas, 
it's like a new experience all over mm. again. Mm-hmm. Or if you go in the springtime when the flowers are blooming, then yeah. you get to go to the gardens and they it's seem beautiful. massive yeah. because, so I do think that, you know, this is a connection, but um, with Aslan is Lucy experiences Aslan on a lot of different levels and in different ways. And because he is bigger than anything she can comprehend and she has all these different types of experiences with him, I think that could be one of the reasons why he seems, I mean, he is bigger, but why he seems bigger to her. And that's something that she points out. Cause when I go to the Biltmore at Christmas, my experience with the Biltmore is different. So therefore it doesn't seem like the same mm-hmm. old small house that I've always been to. Mm. But now once I go through all the seasons, it's over. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, you it go. just seems small now, yeah. <laughs> but, but I do think that's connects to Aslan. No. And that's, it's great because the context that we're of our relationship with the Lord, like context matters. And that's, you know, I, we all probably, you know, went to some kind of church camp or something in like elementary mm-hmm. or middle school. And it's like, you're on this crazy spiritual high. And then you go back to your regular life and usually you come down from that. And, the, and it's because the context that you were in there isn't the same. And so it's now, I remember like every time I'd go on some kind of, you know, missions trip or something like that, I'd come back and I'd go back to school and I'd be like, oh, this is a lot harder to, to deal, like to grow in my relationship than it was in that specific context. And I think that's true here. Whereas the context that Lucy's experiencing Aslan in changes some of her perspective of him. And it's not that he he is different. It's that she is and what's around is. But he is unchanging. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. If you reread a story from your childhood, this being an example, you have more experience to pull from. You can relate to more things. Mm-hmm. You have more understanding just in general, uh, more exposure to stuff. It's a different experience. You get way more out of it. I feel that way about Disney. When yeah. I watch Disney movies, I used to think they were so long and like, like I still think they're awesome because mm-hmm. I love Disney movies. But when you go out to watch like Mulan again for the first time in a long time, it's like, oh, I didn't even catch that. Or right. that's a joke that as a kid, I didn't even understand. When there's some like pop culture reference that Mushu yeah. says, you're like, oh, I didn't know oh, that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I yeah, I had no idea what that was. Yeah. I really feel that, especially the Disney songs. Mm-hmm. I listen, we listened to some of the ones from my childhood and I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that is a very deep message. Yeah. So after they talk right here, Lucy is learns that Aslan is a little frustrated. Maybe frustrated isn't the right word, but he was he wanted he gives the faintest suggestion of a growl. And Lucy realizes that she was actually supposed to follow him, even though no one else believed her, which is interesting because you and I Phil both said it in the last episode, no, this is a test for the siblings, and we both completely forgot about it. No. It's this is for Lucy just as much as it mm-hmm. is for them, and she also fails. She doesn't win this kind of test of faith just because she saw Aslan. It's almost in some ways worse because she saw him and she didn't follow him. Right. At least the other siblings didn't even see she, him. She let the group pull her back in a way. And Lucy asks, you mean like, would it have turned out all right if I had followed you? And again, the Kindle readers are telling us this is important <laughs> because, <laughs> because, because uh, 771 people, more people highlighted this when Aslan says, to know what would have happened, child, no, nobody is ever told that. Honestly, that doesn't stick out to me as much as, as the last thing does. But does that speak to y'all at all? I thought I liked that line. Okay. That was one of my favorite lines of this chapter. Um, and I think that's because I empathize with Lucy. And I'm like, man, I would have probably stayed with my siblings and not gone by myself and mm-hmm. things like that. So... And I'm someone who can like really pro- over process. Like, what if I went that way? And what if this would have happened? Or choices that you can make. But I think here, Aslan is almost highlighting, well, you're never going to know. So we just need to move forward. And what he asks her to do when she has to go back and wake them up is like him saying, I think that's an awesome. I thought, I think this next transition is awesome because he is saying, this is what you should have done. And I'm upset with you about it. And you didn't do it, but I'm going to give you another yeah, chance to do it. Right. And that's when you're, I was like, man, that's pretty nice. Because I was kind of with Lucy. I was like, man, I I would probably have done the same thing. And why is he so upset with her? She's just a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't that's, know. Why not the other three? Who, yeah. Or four Nobody's yelling at them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I also I really appreciate how Aslan doesn't say a word. And Lucy <laughs> figures all this stuff out herself, which sometimes is similar. Well, she doesn't figure it out herself. She comes to the realization because Aslan doesn't say yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's similar to our relationship with the Lord sometimes, where you ask a question, like, why did this happen? And then you start thinking, well, maybe it's because of this. Because we've been instructed mm-hmm. in these things before, and we have the Bible to go off of. 
Ow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> Phil just hit his head on the, uh, on the microphone. I was attacked. <laughs> I fended them off. Um, I've also thought that for future podcast episodes, this is how I'm going to react to Daniel's questions. Where if you ask me a question, I'm just going to be silent and make eye contact. Yeah. And see if you <laughs> arrive at the answer. Oh, the listeners so. will adore that. Oh, that'll be a great podcast. <laughs> we get a lot of great reviews on that one. <laughs> you know, and Lucy is rightfully frustrated here that her siblings aren't going to believe her. And she even says, you know, are they going to be able to see you? And Aslan's like, no, nope, probably not, <laughs> you know. And so Lucy's obviously worried about that. Well, it's the same. It's almost like she's presented with the same thing that she was last time, which is you're going to need to convince your siblings to follow you, even though they probably won't see Aslan. This, I have a similar or a comparison connection. I've seen Aslan connection. No, no, I've never seen Aslan in person. Um, but in the Bible, (laughs) the Bible, the story of Moses, which like the Prince of Egypt, if you've seen that, Disney movie. Um, it is DreamWorks animation. Oh, is it not Disney? It is not Disney. Oh, I thought it was Disney. Um, anyway, um, the, Moses sees God in this burning bush and he tells him to go tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And he tells him he's, they're not going to, he's not going to go. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be stubborn and he's not going to go. And I had the same frustration when I read this and I was like, Aslan, you're asking her to go do something and then you're telling her it's not going to work. Like you said, it yeah. might not yeah. work. And I, that was frustrating to me because I felt like she learned her lesson by not doing it the first time and knew what she had to do and what she should do. And I just wanted it to be easy for her. Right. And we don't know yet how it's going to turn out, but I just wanted sure. it to be an easy thing. But sometimes, most of the time, that's not how life goes. So. Right. Also, Aslan's response to that. Will the others see you too? Asked Lucy. Certainly not at first, said Aslan. Later on, depends. <laughs> <laughs> Such a funny Aslan line. Yeah, and then Lucy expresses her frustration. She says, I was so pleased at finding you again, and I thought you'd let me stay, and I thought you'd come roaring in and frighten all the enemies away like last time, and now everything is going to be horrid. It is hard for you, little one, said Aslan, but things never happen the same way twice. It has been hard for us all in Narnia before now. What's the importance of that exchange right there? A lot of people in Kindle thought it was important. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I'd just like to point out that if you saw that 600 people had done something, would you maybe highlight it too? Just to I didn't be part actually. Of the group? Well, this one, <laughs> I'm going to ignore your joke. This one I actually didn't highlight. I just wanted to bring it up because this, to me, I'm trying to figure out why, why couldn't things happen the same way too. I get, I get the ideas from me that Lucy shouldn't be looking for Aslan to come back in the same way, hmm. but he wouldn't he also be able to if he wanted to come back in the same way? It sounds like he's almost making an absolute statement of, no, it can't happen that same way. He's not saying they can't. He's saying they don't, right? He said things never happen the same way twice. Yeah, he's saying that they don't happen that way. He's not saying that they can't. But that they just won't happen. They okay. Just, yeah. So next, C.S. Lewis writes this about Aslan. He got up and walked with stately, noiseless paces back to the belt of dancing trees through which she had just come. And Lucy went with him, laying a rather tremulous hand on his mane. The trees parted to let them through and for one second assumed their human forms completely. Lucy had a glimpse of tall and lovely wood gods and wood goddesses all bowing to the lion. Next moment they were trees again, but still bowing with such graceful sweeps of branch and trunk that their bowing was itself a kind of dance. Now, child, said Aslan, when they had left the trees behind them, I will wait here. Go and wake the others and tell them to follow. If they will not, then you at least must follow me alone. And so Lucy's given her charge of what she has to do next. I also really love that the trees fully come to life here. Mm-hmm. I really, really wish Pauline Baines gave us, gave us an illustration of that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that when she walked through the woods initially, we didn't read this part, but when she walked through the woods initially and she was like, for a second, they looked like people and then they looked like trees. Then they looked like trees that were people and she just couldn't quite see the full picture. Exactly. And now we see like the full picture of what they look like when they're fully alive. But I thought that was an interesting imagery. I kept thinking of the tree in Pocahontas, the Mm. the willow tree that Mm -hmm. has the face. And then when she goes away, her face like turns back into the tree. (laughs) Like that's, that's kind of the imagery I got when I was reading that. Well, and I think it's important, too, that Lucy can't really see the trees correctly 
until Aslan has opened her eyes. It's when she's now with Aslan. I think I, part of me wonders if the trees were like this, and it's not till she's actually with Aslan that she fully sees them. It's not that they actually change themselves, but it's that her perspective changed being mm-hmm. with Aslan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but that, that's what I was kind of thinking. So what happens when Lucy gets back to her brothers and sisters? They do not want to wake up. <laughs> I get <Nope>. that. <laughs> I'm reading another book right now, and they have a description of trying to wake someone up who is very, very tired and very irritable. And I just really like descriptions of people trying to be woken up because everyone knows Why? Like, it's so <laughs> fun. It's like, wake up, wake up. Like, oh, no. And they, people say funny things. I, I had a roommate one time, and I tried to wake them up, and they would just lie. It was so funny. I did like <laughs> knock on the door like you have class in like ten minutes. Are you are you up? And they're like yeah, and they weren't. They <laughs> were saying they? They, were like, they were eyes closed, fully asleep, saying they were awake and getting ready. And people are funny when they're asleep. Yeah, I liked Peter's response to her when he shook Peter first, and I totally expected Peter to wake up and like at least like respond and give her attention. I didn't expect that from Edmund at the end. Yeah. Um, but when Peter woke up and said like certainly like whatever you'd like it's, <laughs> and, then and, you're, and then he turned around i was not expecting he went that back to sleep, yeah. turned around and went right back to sleep but that's something that i probably would do so <laughs> yeah sounds great whatever just tell me again yeah. in three hours <laughs> it's interesting to me that they're all so sound asleep because i don't i'm not a big camper this is you can tell us casey uh if i was asleep out in the middle of the woods i think i'd actually be able to wake up pretty easily because i'm not super comfortable in my sleep to begin with Mm-hmm. Is that yes. something you've ever experienced? Um, I think that when you go on a, like I've been on a backpacking trip where I hiked a couple miles and then went to sleep and I slept horribly. But then I've been on a backpacking trip where I did 15 in one day and right. I slept like a rock. Like nobody was going to wake me up. You slept on a rock? Like, like a rock. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that because they had such a hard and emotional, obviously they hiked and had to rehike and sure. hike and rehike, that they probably were pretty dead asleep. And they got arrow shot at them too. Yes. Can't forget that. Yes. That's Although that would make me not sleep very well, I think. But it's probably that nice applesauce taste and stuff that really put them to bed. <laughs> Ew. Okay, well, that makes sense. That's, see, this is why you're here. You're, all of your backpacking <laughs> our, experience. Our backpacking really, consultant. Yeah. Helping out two city boys. Actually, Phil, you're kind of an outdoorsy person. No. Oh, never mind. <laughs> we are very stereotypically I, city boys. I think boys plumbing is one of the that. greatest inventions of all time. What is? <laughs> plumbing? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love plumbing. I like being outside if I get to sleep in my own bed when it's all said and done. Oh, At the yeah. end of the day. <laughs> well, let me read here what Edmund says because I think it is so great. Aslan, said Edmund, jumping up. Hooray, where? Lucy turned back to where she could see the lion waiting, his patient eyes fixed upon her. There, she said, pointing. Where? asked Edmund again. There, there, don't you see just the side of the trees? Edmund stared hard for a while and then said, Oh, there, there's nothing there. You've got dazzled and muddled with the moonlight. One does, you know. I thought I saw something for a moment myself. It's only an optical, what do you call it? I can see him all the time, said Lucy. He's looking straight at us. Then why can't I see him? He said you mightn't be able to. Why? I don't know. That's what he said. Oh, bother it all, said Edmund. I do wish you wouldn't keep on seeing things, but I suppose we'll have to wake the others. And that's where the chapter ends. I love Edmund so much. (laughs) This is the third time I've read this in the past 24 hours, and I still get goosebumps. (laughs) Yeah. You think he's going to say something else based on his character, based on the other kids' reactions. Yeah. And then he changes it right at the last second. Yeah, I'm not a huge... um, Well, he grows on me, but I have not been a huge Edmund fan up until this point in the series. And so I think this part for me was a turning point because I was like, (laughs) okay, Edmund, coming through. That's fine. But nobody else did. I expected Peter to do that, but I didn't expect Edmund to. See, I love the kind of... Right now, as I'm reading this, I've always... Lucy's my favorite, and... Edmund in The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe is kind of just whatever. But Peter and Susan are not annoying, but they are disappointing in many of the actions they've taken mm-hmm. so far in this book. Yeah. I'm excited to see as we go along. Phil, do you think there'll be any kind of redemption for them or this is... I'm not sure they're going to be invited back next book. So you already know what happens, so we can talk a little bit about that. Do you think this is kind of why they might not be? Yeah, if they're having trouble believing lucy and believing in aslan being there that might be why because you don't know exactly what leads up to all that you don't remember what happens but you do know at the end of the book i know that they are not in any books after this right in in a main role yes 
And so it'll be interesting for us to see if, if for you to see if someone who hasn't read all of this, if maybe that leads to it or if this is just something else that Aslan decides. Hmm. Any last thoughts before we wrap up the chapter? I'm having a hard time without spoiling, so I should not. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I need to take my headphones off. <laughs> <laughs> just to be right next to you. <laughs> so we end the chapter there with Edmund and Lucy about to wake up everyone else. We're not sure if they're going to listen to them or not, but I think we're hoping that they will. In chapter 11, our next chapter, it is called The Lion Roars. And in this chapter, the Peventies and Trump can follow loosely to Aslan's howl. I put out a question on Twitter a week or two ago, Phil, and I was asking people if there was anything else we could add to the show that'd be exciting. Everyone said, mostly it's perfect, which we knew they were going to say, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Someone asked, though, if you would make some more kind of hypotheses on what what happens next. Hypotheses? No, I said it right the first time. Yeah, I think. Hypotheses. Yep. <laughs> Phil, do you have, what do you think is going to happen in Chapter 11? The lion roars. I think the lion's going to roar. And based on the picture I can see in my periphery, the lion is going to eat something. That's what <laughs> so you're not going to guess at all. You're just going to look. Just gonna I think the they're finally going to meet Caspian. You think that's this, that's this, chapter, this chapter is finally going to happen? Okay. I'm willing to bet on it. That's great. Everything I won from the bracket. <laughs> well, Casey, while we still have you here, we have a couple of questions to ask you, as we've asked many first-time guests on the show. And you have some, some that I just know from being friends with you, you have some interesting answers. So my first question to you is, how did you first encounter the Chronicles of Narnia? This is an interesting story. So I, I'm a school teacher, and um, I have to read a lot of school materials. So that's what I spend most of my evenings doing. But one night, um, I was telling my husband, because we like to read, and I said, you know, I really want to read more, but I need to read something that's not school related, like completely off topic of school. And he said, OK, I'm going to go pick you some things. So he went to the bookshelf and he picked two books and he brought it back and said, have you ever read the Chronicles of Narnia? And I was like, no, I don't think I have. And we had inherited that from a tutoring site that he used to work at. So <laughs> we, does this mean you stole it from a nonprofit? <laughs> no, they gave away all of them. There were so many copies. They did. There yeah, are, they there gave are away a all lot of, of copies in that building. He got the whole <laughs> se- the whole set from them for free. So we had them on our bookshelf for the first time in ever. And he brought it to me and said, "Have you read these?" And I said, "I've actually only I'd only ever seen the movies, and I didn't even know there were seven books at that time. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't even I didn't even know they were books until I was in high school. Like it just wasn't talked about." in my mm-hmm. sphere. So then um, he gave like me a, the first one. failure in your family. I know. Really what I'm it, yeah, really. I don't think anybody <laughs> in my family has read them. I'm so sorry. Um, but then he gave them to me and then I started reading them and then um, quickly learned that Daniel loved them. And then he taught me how to really read them in the right order a little too late. <laughs> she was reading them from the back cover to the front. She uh, thought it was, she thought it was manga. I didn't know. <laughs> I was like, well, you gotta read them how the- was I to know that? No, but you really did read them out of order. What Can you share what order you actually read them in? I read them in, I read The Magician's, or, the Magician's Nephew, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And then I read Prince Caspian. That's when I caught you as you had- And then I read them in your order. But you weren't even going to read them. You it's were just kind of pulling them off. Order. It's not his order. I'm sorry. <laughs> the order that C.S. Lewis wrote them is, is the order. Yeah, so I would text. I, I texted him multiple times over Christmas break, and I was like, Daniel, I just finished this one. Which one's next? Because I brought them all with me to Nebraska. Yeah. And but, I just But all the numbers him. are wrong. Yes, all yeah. the numbers are wrong. I don't know. Yeah, so we have a good friend of the show. Uh, I have a video I can send you. Brian has, uh, from NarniaWeb.com has a great video of why, we don't have to get into it now, of why we should be reading them in, in publication order. So I should go back and read them in the correct order at some point and just see if I find a difference. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, as you read this, because you just all read them in the last, what, like six months or all seven of them? Started in November and ended like a month ago. Yeah. What is your favorite book in the series? Oh, it's probably a tie between, if I can have ties, um, I really like literally no rules here. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I really liked Prince Caspian and I really liked the last battle. What mm. about nice. Prince Caspian? Did you really enjoy? Um, I think because of the way the order I read them in, it was just a different type of book than the, uh, the first two, but I didn't read them in the mm. correct order. So, and just to clarify different than line, the witch in the wardrobe and the magicians. The magicians yeah. 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 Do you have, uh, we haven't usually asked this, but do you have a least favorite book as you went through the seven? Probably the silver chair. I had a really hard time oh, getting through wrong. that one. That's wrong. But I think if I read it again, I also uh, plug was reading 
um, the silver chair after I'd gotten back to school from Christmas break. Mm. And that's a little bit of a different type of mental reading. Whereas Christmas break, I was just like freely with no stress reading. Right. Yeah. So it does make a difference. Would you have any other thoughts, Casey, that you want to share with us before we let you go? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fine that's great she said her piece well Phil before we wrap the episode do we have time for listener feedback or should we hold that until next episode we're at the 54 minute mark I think we should probably hold it to the next episode okay. then that sounds good we do have some we've had some listeners who have heard our cries for feedback on Prince Caspian we have someone who's emailed us that really enjoys Prince Caspian and someone not so much and thinking of guests too Casey this is really cool because I think every guest on our show has had a different book. Maybe someone, maybe one or two people said The Horse and His Boy, but almost everyone has had a different book, which I, I know we've talked kind of ad nauseum about Prince Caspian not being people's favorite, but it, it's not like there's a clear absolute favorite and a clear last one because like where you have someone right now at the table who really enjoys Prince Caspian. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad we finally got you in the studio to uh, talk about that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Phil, do you want to wrap us up? All right. You can follow us into Narnia on our Twitter or Facebook pages. If you have any feedback, please email us at thenarniapodcast at gmail.com or, and this is Daniel's preferred method, leave us a voicemail at 406-646-6733. Well, I, I just like it because I like actually hearing from our listeners. But I, 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 cool. I love the I love the emails too. They're wonderful. And we also have a pretty international audience and it's really fun to get calls from different places. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's toll free, right? <laughs> yeah, it's and great. it's an internet. What's well, I think it's a phone. Google. It's a Google Voice number. So should, I don't know if that matters. I think that people should be able to call it. Yeah, calls from your Google Voice number. Sure, there you yeah. go. We'd also appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other listeners find the show and join our read through. Also, make sure you have subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast app, so you can wake up to a new episode every other Wednesday. Our show's themes were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find more of his work in the links in the episode's description. Thanks again for coming along on this journey. We'll be back next time for chapter 11. The Lion Roars. The Lion Roars.